You're listening to the Gov Future Podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Captain Patrick Thompson, Infrastructure Services Division Chief, C5I Service Center with the U.S. Coast Guard. We discuss how the U.S. Coast Guard is leveraging emerging technologies like AI and machine learning. Learn what the biggest challenges and limitations faced by the Coast Guard in implementing transformative technologies, insights into emerging process, architecture, and methods, and how the Coast Guard is collaborating with others. Stay tuned. And welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And we hope you've been enjoying a lot of our interviews. We've had quite a few over these past many months. And, you know, Gov Future podcast has really started with a bang just a couple months ago. And already it's uh, really being listened to quite a bit on all these topics around innovation in the public sector on AI and automation, analytics, big data and cyber IT modernization and cloud and zero trust. I mean, have I left anything out? Well, maybe some quantum here and there, some blockchain. There's lots of technology out there. And if you're not already subscribed to the Gut Future podcast, I really encourage you to, because this is really the place to go to hear interviews and insights from thought leaders on people who are really innovating around transformative technology and some of these conversations on key topics that will focus on helping you, our listeners, and our Gov Future members learn the latest innovations and best practices so you can stay ahead of what's happening in innovation in the public sector. Exactly. And if you've listened to any of our GovFuture podcasts, you know that we have a GovFuture community. It's the fastest growing community of government innovators. And as Ron mentioned, we really try and focus on all of the topics that are impacting government. So if you'd like to learn more and get involved and be part of our community, I encourage you to go to govfuture.com and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But for today's podcast and with you know many of our interviews, we like to get a broad representation from government so that we really can understand what's going on and find out some of those hot topic areas. So for today's podcast, we're so excited to have with us Captain Patrick Thompson, who is Infrastructure Services Division Chief, C5I Service Center with the U.S. Coast Guard. Welcome, Patrick, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We'd like to to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to today's discussion. And we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at the U.S. Coast Guard. Sure. So uh, I've been in the Coast Guard for almost 30 years. I've uh, focused predominantly on uh, IT. Uh, I've had uh, you know a couple uh, float tours on ships, and uh, I've, I've been uh, in a lot of response um, environments to different uh, disasters. I, I was at Ground Zero during 9/11. I, I've been a, a lot of a lot of different areas uh, in response to you know different events that have happened throughout the, the maritime environment. Um, one of the things I think that's probably the most interesting that I've been working on is um, really trying to get to the future of modernizing IT in in a way that is truly beneficial throughout the entire organization. We have a a large organization, almost like 60,000 user base, and really trying to see how we can make IT help the users and not um, kind of be a hindrance that that I think sometimes early on when we started to adopt, (laughs) you know, computer technology that, that it was. 
And uh, so, so I've been uh, I've been at the forefront for a lot of different years, and I, I think recently, and probably in the last few years, have been the most innovative to me. I'm really excited about the the future that that's coming around. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of future happening. Well, future is always happening, right? But uh, technology in the future seems to be at an increasing pace. It's like you know we used to deal with like one or two major technology movements like a year. It felt. But like now they're all kind of coming at the same time. Everything that I just said in the intro is all happening at the same time, along with things like autonomous systems and drones and uh, new forms of cybersecurity and zero trust and all this sort of stuff. It's all happening at once, which is really both exciting and challenging if you're trying to respond uh, to all that change. So maybe a good place to start is... Let's let's talk about some of these emerging technologies like AI and machine learning, and maybe some of the things that you're doing. I mean, how are you leveraging these technologies? How are you looking at these emerging technologies as tools, as as opportunities, as challenges? Just kind of curious to hear about that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I'll take a little step back from that is that you know, to really leverage all the value of machine learning and AI, you really need to be access. You really need to be able to access the data. And when you look towards the Coast Guard in a, a maritime environment, we have you know ships at sea. Our our, our Joe Average user coasties are are running around all over the place. We have bridge inspectors. We have people who are looking at aids to navigation. Um, we're a very mobile workforce, and you know to really leverage the uh, the value that ai and machine machine learning truly have you really need to be able to get access to the data um, put it back into all these clouds all these repositories where you can really access that data and 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 try to garner some intelligence out of it i think one of the struggles that we've had for years is uh is is looking at how do we get that data back there and you know very recently with you know 5g technologies all the uh high speed uh, fiber data networks that run across our terrestrial uh, landscape um you know leo satellite technologies like starlink and and others um those those technologies really allow us to grab all that data all that sensor information all that information from our user base and and bring it back into a, a space where we can really capitalize it capitalize on it in a way that we haven't been able to do before and i think that's those key technologies are really what i think are going to enable ai and machine learning to to flourish in the future is being able to garner and and, and, and capture that uh, real time or close to real time data and bring it back um so I, I i'm very excited about that i think you know when you look at you know what we do in a, in a, a maritime you know counter narcotics type of environment or in a uh in a emergency response where you have a you know a whole lot of uh, uh issues coming up and and people reporting all sorts of different uh, things and, and sensor data coming back at the same time being able to pull that back is is really the most exciting thing so I, I although I'm excited about AI and machine learning what I'm really excited about is the 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 uh transport technologies and the cloud technologies that really are going to enable that and those have those have seemed to really flourish in recent years and those are going to be the key drivers to our future innovation. Yeah, I like that you bring up data too, because we always say, you know, data is the foundation. We talk a lot about this D-I-K-U-W pyramid where it's data. Um, and that is, you know, the base of which everything else goes. So it's data, information, knowledge, 
understanding, and then wisdom. Uh, and I feel like, you know, everybody always talks about data, but it can't be talked about enough because it just continues to grow. And I think that people, you know, understand within the past few years, specifically their data footprint and how much data is actually being created and generated. So it's great that you bring that up. And, you know, with these emerging technologies, it it's very exciting, right? You know, Ron was talking about the future and where things are going and implementing these transformative technologies can be incredibly, uh, you know, awesome, the potential there. But there's also challenges related to it as well and limitations. So what are you seeing as some of the biggest challenge or limitations faced by the Coast Guard in implementing these transformative technologies? And then how are you working to address these issues? Um, one of the big ones I think that we have is uh, we have a lot of legacy um, systems that that leverage the technology, and we're 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 trying to modernize those. We're trying to bring those into the cloud. Um, you know, the, you can't pivot on a dime, right? You have to you have to train a workforce. You have to uh, you know go through some prototypes. You have to kind of go through some pain. <laughs> you have to. Uh, you have to, you know. So the, we're we're struggling through that right now. Um, you know, it's it's exciting. It you know, I've I've. I've witnessed a few meetings that recently, um, you know, the first time when I think we brought a lot of this, you know, moving to the cloud things up, you know, four, three, four or five years ago, you know, you could see the anxiety in the room when, uh, when people had to realize they have to learn a whole new way of doing business. Um, there was, you know, change management who moved my cheese. Um, you know, in, I would say in recent years, um, that, uh, that's changed into excitement. And I, I think, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of people now, especially the younger um, technologists that are graduating from colleges and and universities across the country that are that are joining our workforce. You know, they almost exclusively work on cloud technologies, and they're they're coming to you know the workforce excited to try to you know transform and, and bring some of these legacy technologies into the future. And I think the you know training a new workforce is probably one of the biggest challenges that we have, and then making those. Just the you know the quantity of systems that we have you know we we probably have you know uh, what I would define as maybe 150 different um, system services that that need to transform into a, a cloud environment and that to me is one of the key foundational pieces of leveraging a lot of these machine learning and AI type capabilities is that you can't have a widespread of diverse database structures across, you know, multiple physical plants to, uh, to bring together. You got to kind of unite them at least to some level or to the best level you can. I think the, the more we get into modern database structures where we can truly try to leverage the data that we already have in ways, um, where we can get more information and wisdom that you'd be <laughs> that key that you brought up earlier. You know, we have so much data out there, but I don't think it really allows us to leverage it in a way that we can really make those key decisions that we want to. And I think that's probably, um, you know, getting that information in, into modern database structures, that will really allow, allow us to kind of quickly move forward and and try to um, leverage it in a, in a bigger, bigger way. I, I Yeah, I think that's probably our, our biggest challenge that I see right now. Um, yeah, that's really important. And I think that's really understated how much a lot of these big technology, if you want to think of them, technology movements are really around people and process and method and architecture and design. And these things that 
aren't as exciting as buying the latest tool, implementing the latest algorithm, doing the latest coolest thing. Because, you know, I got to admit, it's everybody loves doing those things. It's a shiny new object. Everybody loves playing with the new toys. <laughs> right? That's, that's how we're raised as kids, right? But it's it's too easy to, you know, get, you know, you, you, as a kid, you get bored with a toy, then you want the next one. Next thing you know, you look in your closet and it's full of old toys. And it's kind of, we're in a similar situation with technology. We have all these legacy systems that are in place, some of them supporting very individual point needs, some of them supporting very core needs, right? And it's not as easy as you can't, the old method is you can't rip and replace, right? That was the old uh, sort of theory is like rip and replace when obviously we need to modernize. So so to what extent can you talk about perhaps some of the ideas uh, that, that you're pursuing in terms of maybe process and method uh, architecture or any sort of design philosophy or anything anything that that right now is sort of capturing your attention that may help to deal with these issues of IT modernization legacy systems in the face of adopting these new technology things that we're all trying to do you know it, it, it's it's interesting is that when you go across the government um in the past, a lot of work was done in silos, right? And you were you were able to like, oh, I'm I'm installing this system, and I got to work in this little silo, and I I went out and I installed my system, and you you had to talk to a few people, but you didn't have to talk to a lot of people to get the approval and and to really make your system work. In, in today's world, everything is interconnected. Everything is. Uh, it's interconnected in, in a in a big way, not only through people and process, but you know technology as well. And I think one of the problems that we had in the government, or we still have, and that we're trying to work towards, is that we have we've set up all these different contracting vehicles um, to deliver different what used to be isolated technologies, and now they're all united and integrated in a big way. And so we've we've looked in some ways within the service center of of putting all of our infrastructure that used to be under 15 plus contracts under one one united contract and we're delivering kind of infrastructure as a service capability under under a single vendor and having them kind of coordinate and and provide that service to us and that what that does is it frees us from having to kind of have to coordinate with a lot of different vendors to make you know a, a single capability get delivered you know we had we had all sorts of issues with that not just with the coordination front but uh you know different contracts were beginning and ending at different periods and there's ramp up and you know there's just there're just problems when you have multiple contracts that you have uh contractors that you have to kind of work through to deliver a single capability um uniting just the infrastructure piece under one umbrella really allows us to focus on the capability piece so now we we can work with other vendors to develop um you know cloud-based systems and then we can just turn to our infrastructure uh vendor and and have them deliver um you know basically put that into production right as we, before we had to go to like at least probably five or six of our different vendors to to bring a capability on that we developed somewhere else um so that's one of the things we're doing is just is trying to align our contracts with our current um environment uh space that uh that exists in in the world of technology and i and i think that that's happening um what what else have we have we done i think we're we're really looking at um modernizing the the uh 
our approach to technology is I think before we would always um, install something on prem first. And then if we, uh, you know, if it was, you know, potentially we'd go to the cloud, I think we're kind of developing what we're, you know, some people talk about as like a cloud first kind of initiative, whereas if we're going to develop a new technology, let's look at how we can develop that in a, in a cloud space first. And if we have to, then we'll, we'll put it on prem. Um, that that approach is good because it uh, it forces us to look at modern software as a service capabilities that are exist rather than developing our own. It, it forces us to uh, you know really evaluate um, the different cloud services that are out there. Some are better than others for certain um, systems, and it, it, it puts people in a in a position where they're initially felt a little uncomfortable, but now I think they're getting a lot more comfortable with it, and that that's exciting. The um, it helps us to, you know, put out a first article prototype. You only have to buy a certain, you know, a scaled percentage of that capability. And if you find out that you like it and you want to scale it up, it's much easier to scale a cloud capability than it is to scale something on-prem where you'd have to go and, you know, procure um, hardware and then go through the whole government lead time of, of getting that hardware installed. When it's a cloud capability, you can go from zero to 60 very quickly. And that's a, that's, that's a really exciting and um, benefit to the you know, modern technologies that we have. We we also have you know the the Coast Guard's you know well renowned for our you know our our mantra of uh, semper Pratus is always ready is that uh, when there's an emergency we jump in um, <clears throat> you know a lot of times when we have a, a major incident uh, associated with that is kind of spinning up new services right and and spinning up new services is much easier to do in a cloud situation um, you know responding to a um, an emergency when you can leverage, you know, 5G cellular technology that you can deploy at a moment's notice, or you know, uh, you know, some of these new Leo satellite technologies where we can we can build a command post in the middle of Guam, you know, in a in a you know typhoon in hours, right? And uh, you know, they have as bad as good connectivity that they have there as they have back at our Coast Guard headquarters. You know, being able to do that has really helped us uh, in a big way. Um, I hope I answered your question. I, I kind of went down a really No, rapid. no, no. <laughs> that, was <perfect. laughs> that was great. I'm glad we even brought in Semper Paratus because that's like really important. Always be ready and always, you know, uh, you know, be prepared. And at a moment's notice, I mean, that, that actually is a really strong brand. That's when people think of Coast Guard, that's what they think of. Uh, in general. And and I want to just comment, I think, I know Kathleen probably has a, the next follow-up question here, but, you know, the almost exactly 30 years ago, uh, back, I think, when Coast Guard was part of defense, right, and part of part of that, you know, the DOD went through that major, la you know, that infamous Last Supper, right, where, uh, you know, all at the time, there were so many different government contract organizations building different, you know, physical things, you know, weapon systems and aircraft and this and that. And after 1993, there was that major consolidation, right? Like we, government's like, we can't be dealing with like, you know, 100 different vendors, you know, 25 different aircraft companies and 50 different missile companies, whatever. Let's it basically was a call to industry. You guys, you guys make it easier for us because it'll make it easier for everybody. And I kind of feel like we're we're kind of like, uh, you know, heading towards a similar Last Supper moment here when it comes to infrastructure. You know, you just talked about that consult that that effort on your end to say, look, you can't have 15 different contracts here dealing with, uh, you know, infrastructure. Let, let's have, a, as I say, a single throat to choke is <laughs> one way of putting it. But also it's more like, you know, let's let this this accelerates innovation. So hopefully I summarize some of what you're talking about. But but it seems 
seems like, you know, this this comes in waves. And I think it might have been almost exactly 30 years ago that that last supper in the summer of 1993. No, I think yeah, you really did. Uh, you know, accelerating innovation has really been um, one of our major reasons for for doing that. They, uh, it, it's been interesting. You know, we, we're about... Um, uh, about six months to the day of uh, since the awarding that contract, and it's it's interesting to see how fast just in uh, in that period that we've been able to accelerate some innovative technologies and get them deployed. And uh, you know, it, it's it's great when you able to focus on newer technologies and then have you know, as you mentioned, you have one throat to choke, one one entity to go to to really dev- uh, get those installed quickly and efficiently. And uh, it, it's been great so far. I'm really excited about the future. I'm really excited about some of our, our new contract vehicles that are that are coming out for developing software and whatnot. And um, you know, those those are where we're really going to develop some new capabilities and then leverage our our single infrastructure uh, vehicle to to get those installed and pushed out across our uh, you know, mul- multitude of sites. Yeah. You know, another thing, we love the podcast because we're able to bring so many different perspectives and our GovFuture community is made up of members from, you know, federal, uh, also DOD and civilian agencies, IC, but also state and local as well. And then folks that make up the entire public sector ecosystem, because there's a lot to learn when everybody comes together. So how are you specifically, you know, working with other agencies or looking to other agencies with what they've already done when it comes to some of that process and technology issues that we've brought up? And maybe how are you learning from others? Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I I think personally, I I really try to get out there to a lot of different conferences, particularly ones where I know there's going to be a heavy uh, government influence just being able to walk around and, and talk to the speakers and listen to the speakers and and kind of talk to some of um, you know, our partners in industry and see which technologies they're pursuing. Um, that's super beneficial uh, to us, uh, particularly, uh, you know, DOD has been um, very, very helpful, uh, you know, as you know, for us in particular, as a as a dot mill uh, network, um, we've really been able to leverage the scale that they operate with to to try to drive technology in in certain directions. Um, we uh, in in the history, uh, you know, we had a huge amount of on prem resources that were dedicated to deliver, you know, email and files and you know SharePoint and and you know chat capabilities across our enterprise. Um, you know, over the last few years, we've moved to Office 365. You know, it's a it's a cloud based uh, solution. Um, it was a very smooth transition for us. Uh, our you know Microsoft helped us a lot with that transition. And from the work point, workforce's point of view, I, I think they they really thought it was a very easy and smooth transition. But what how it benefited us is that we no longer have you know thousands of servers across our architecture that we have to deal with, right? You're constantly having to patch them, hardware recaps, um, you know, oh, some server failed somewhere and having to kind of go and deal with that. By not having that kind of sitting on top of us every day and, and really having to deal with you know the onesie twosie issues that we were constantly having, it allowed us to really refocus on what are the future technologies that we want to go to that that it's interesting to see you know we no longer in the in the boardroom meetings we we no longer have discussions about uh replacing legacy hardware you know to deliver you know office suite type capabilities anymore and we're able to really 
spend our our time and our focus on delivering new and future capabilities and uh you know data analytics is is definitely for on the forefront of our thought everything we're trying to do is really trying to get to the place where we can have modern database structures where we can use leverage AI and machine learning to really drive our decision making and uh we're, we're just trying to set up the um you know all the baseline infrastructure that we need to, to put us in a position to do that and a lot of that is based on you know our conversations with DoD and DHS and and many other uh, government agencies that are are leveraging you know some of those technologies today and are excited about leveraging them in a bigger way in the future and when we go and meet with them it's 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 great that they've are a little bit ahead of us because we can go and say hey you know which which vendor which products which architecture do you think works best and the, and and they are able to give us a lot of feedback and so that's that's been very exciting um, we also you know use some kind of think tank resources um commercial and government uh you know gardner and 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 whatnot to uh kind of see what what their perspective is of which technologies um they think are the best and then kind of what our roadmap should look like you know there's a lot of times where you need to deliver the you know x before y right and uh we're, we're really focused on that right now and uh, as i mentioned you know the the network is is super critical in a mobile workforce in a mobile coast guard where you know we're out at sea and we, we need to be able you know give the pointy end of the spear the ability to communicate back quickly and easily and uh our you know the new leo type satellite uh capabilities and all the new 5g technologies for for cellular capabilities have really done that for us it's amazing when you have you know more bandwidth than you need that you you can refocus on truly providing operators with the the solutions and the data that they need you know when they need it yeah that's great so, I mean, this has been such a wonderful podcast. We always love the discussions and, you know, different ways that the conversations flow. So we want to thank you so much. But before we wrap up, we always ask one final question. And no matter how many times we ask it, we always get such varied responses because all of the guests get to bring in their own unique experiences from the different agencies that they're in and different life experiences as well. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government? You know, I'm I'm most excited about um, tools that are able to leverage the data we already have to present uh, dashboards and insights from it that we probably you know to basically answer questions that we didn't know we had, right? And and I think I think a lot of these modern um, analytics tools and the dashboarding tools that that really provide you with can really have that ability to provide you with insights that you didn't have before. I think we make a lot of decisions based on either that's what the predecessor did or it's just kind of a gut check, you know, it's like, yeah, I just kind of feel this way. It's like, you know, as much as I love um that book Blink by um, Malcolm Gladwell, um <laughs> the uh I hope I got that author right, but uh he's one of my favorite ones, but um <laughs> the uh you know you know, a lot of times I think we make these gut check decisions, but we don't make it based on data. And I, I would love to see a future where we kind of have a sense of where we want to go, but we can uh, we can back it up with um, some data and some analytics to really help us to guide that decision and feel better about it. And maybe to make some micro adjustments along the way, you know, when we realize that, uh, 
you know, we didn't quite um, hit the mark with what we wanted. Yeah, that's important. Well, well, good. Yeah, we hope that's one of our fundamental beliefs as well. Think big, start small, and iterate often. Iterate your way to success, especially if things are changing very rapidly, and the world is changing very rapidly, and everything is changing very rapidly. It's very becoming harder and harder to predict what tomorrow will bring. I don't think anybody could have predicted the last two or three years <laughs> from the pandemic to uh, supply chain shocks to geopolitical strife in the particular Oh my goodness, is like nobody would have expected German tanks to be fighting in Ukraine against the you know <laughs> the Russians to be like what what decade are we in? What so it's kind of funny uh that we're kind of in this in this world at this point. But that's that's part of it, you know, that's part of us learning and iterating and thinking about that. And I think that's why we love having folks like you on this podcast. Everybody brings a different perspective. And I like that analytics perspective, you know, uh, you know, going from dash better dashboards to better predictive analytics to perhaps even being able to do a better what if analysis and all the other kinds of an analytics that we that we are looking for with a powerful use of data. So I think, uh, you know, we could continue this conversation for a while, but obviously want to be mindful of your time and our listeners time. So I want to thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the Gut Future podcast and sharing your insights with our audience. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for this wonderful discussion. We've got some great resources if you're looking to get more insight and detail on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, tailored for our GovFuture listeners. We'll make sure to link to the resources in the show notes as well. Become a GovFuture member to take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. To sign up and to learn more, go to govfutures.com slash join, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.